in Romans 12.1. This is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Some of you are already like nervous, ultimately. Like, don't say that. You're making me nervous. Let him praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. More nervousness, right? Somebody show up with a tambourine. Random tambourine person. Verse 4. Why? For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, and he adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult, overflow in praise, and gladness and joy in glory. And let them sing for joy, not only in the assembly, but on their beds. In Romans 12:1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Father, we thank you today that you want a real relationship with us. It is amazing that you have sought us out by your grace. It's it's truly just mind-boggling that you would pursue us as we ran from you instead of sitting back and just leaving us to ourselves. And so we want to really know you Father, we we confess that we have a hard time with relationships. And we just own that we often have a hard time in our relationship with you. It feels awkward. It feels strange. It feels disconnected from reality. We pray today as we look into your word and we continue to think about, God, how you call us into regular communion, regular space, time with you. We thank you that you give us some further help. And God, we just express now that we, we can't think this into happening. We can't will this into happening. We need your spirit, God, to help us understand the truth, to see how it points us to Jesus, and to empower us to live it out in the stuff of everyday life. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we went out of town last week for a few days, and on our flight home, it was as if one of Cassie's greatest nightmares was coming true. It got real, really quick on this little small plane from Detroit to Chattanooga. Because all of a sudden, it seemed as if this four-year-old sitting in front of us was puking up the whole McDonald's menu. Now, Cassie does not like throw-ups in any way. But the Lord has blessed her as a mom to have to learn to deal with that. But when it's not your kids, it's not your family, and they're sitting like right in front of us. And it's like the every worst sound effect you could think that would accompany that. And we're just stuck. I mean, we're in the back of the plane. They're right in front of us. It's a small plane. There's nowhere to go. And it's just like, this is such an invasion of my personal space. And I'm just trapped in all the physical realities, all the sights, the sounds, the smells. Right, the physical makes things get real, sometimes too real. Have you ever had the awkwardness of being crammed in a van with people that you thought you were pretty close to, but you didn't want to be that close to? 
If you grew up in church, you may have been a part of youth groups where you played games like group hide and seek. Yeah, everybody go hide together in a small place. And you're like, this, this just feels awkward. You ever gotten a physical fight with somebody? There's something real and raw and different when your fist hits someone else's face or you grab somebody and wrestle them to the ground. Or maybe on a more positive note, when you get a hug from somebody that you love. Some of us in here are more and less comfortable with the physical things, but even you may can remember the time somebody you respected put their hand on your shoulder. They shook your hand. They walked up and just looked you in the eye. Said, I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. You're married maybe when you held your spouse's hand for the first time. Or you won a sporting event or some type of group exercise and you gave each other a high five. Or the ultimate weird guy thing, right? Walked up and smacked your buddy on the butt. Right? These, these physical things, right? They, they, they make the relationship go to a new level. They, they take things deeper in a way than just even mere words or mere experiences can convey. And when we talk about existing to make the real Jesus known through these grace-motivated grace repetitions of love where we really meet with God, then I think we're doing ourselves a disservice to not look at what God's Word says about all the various ways He has given us and invited us to participate in a relationship with Him through the physical side of who He's created us to be as humans. Now this is something that stretches me too. This is not something that I was taught. This is not something I've experienced for much of my life. But when it comes to these things, we've often not considered it.
relationships do we have where it's only a matter of thinking? What real relationships do you have in your life that you just think thoughts about that person? What real relationships in your life do you just uh, occasionally speak words to that person? Maybe this is why some people really struggle with the spiritual discipline. Some of you in here aren't wired to just always sit down and be still. For some of you, that may be why you have had such a hard time engaging in word and prayer because it just, it just stretches you too much, maybe in one direction, to just think it's always got to be this quiet, still time. And maybe God has a bigger set of options and a bigger vision for what it can look like for you to engage in a life of habitual, repetitious, yet deeply love-centered and pursuing relationship with Him. And for many people in our mission field, as we seek out to really reach the broken, the burnout, and the bored in our city and connect in some overlooked places and neighborhoods, we're talking about people who are very physical, very emotional. And we're not calling them to conform to some sort of vision of Christianity that means they have to be just this highly intellectual, highly focused, highly still type of people. Because God has created us so differently in so many different cultures, and yet all of us to worship Him. And so if our habits are to really be repetitions of love, and we, I believe we've got to learn to involve our bodies in the spiritual discipline, not all in the same way, not maybe all to the same degree, but to open ourselves to this type of engagement with God. So we're going to think, first of all, why is this embodied worship and the habits of grace such a challenge? So if we can go back to Psalm 149 here, we hear these words, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly. Be glad. Verse 3, praise His name with dancing. Make melody to Him with tambourine and lyre. Sing for joy on your beds. Some of us in here, these verses make very uncomfortable. For some of us in here whose our own experiences say, I don't even have any category for me to do that. We want to think about, though, what are, what are all, where is all this coming from? Well, for some of us, it's we're, we're having issues theologically. And all that means just a big word. We're having issues with understanding how to put the whole Bible together to know who God is, who we are, and how we should respond. So we don't have this on the screen, but if you were to go down at the end of Psalm 149... It says this in verse 6, Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords be in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. Okay, so we're saying, all right, if this verse is saying I'm supposed to do this, do I'm supposed to do that too? And so there's a, there's a discomfort here with understanding how we interpret the Bible, how we think about what Old Testament practices, how they carry over for us a New Testament or New Covenant people in Christ. We do not have time this morning to go through a whole study on how we are to interpret the Old Testament faithfully. If you want to talk more about that afterwards, we can. But we, what we are called to see is that Paul says in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for the church. Our task as followers of Jesus is to see how Jesus fulfills everything that is written here and then brings us that on the other side 
to live it out, maybe not in the same form, but from the same stance of faith. So the forms of worship, the forms of following God in the Old Testament, may not always carry over in the same way to the people of God in Christ, and yet the heart does. Yet the eternal realities do. It's so interesting on how we can pick and choose about how we're going to think about these things. We hear these calls to physical engagement with God in our life with Him, and some of us sort of revolt, push back, and then there's other things that we sort of act like, well, that's fine. I think oftentimes the reason that we are challenged by some things is because they do involve such a real relational response. I mean, nobody in here is going to get upset because we're playing the guitar. And in some churches, they're not. Because that doesn't challenge you personally. But to call us to sing for joy on our beds, that's a call to you. We also have discomfort due to our experiential issues and things like this. We've been a part of certain church cultures where it seemed as if it wasn't sincere, it was just mimicking. Right? It was just an empty, heartless mimicking. People raising hands, of people clapping, of people shouting. It's just sort of like, wow, this is all just sort of pe- like some sort of cultish acts. We've seen people become distracted. We've seen people who are attention-seeking. We've seen a lack of reverence in the holiness of God. I've been a part of some things known as worship where people would bark like dogs. Certainly not found in the Word of God. I've seen where some people judge the maturity of another person's relationship with God based on their outward expression. But we have to confess our hypocrisy on the other side of that. In our traditions and culture, we've often fallen prey to a disembodied view of the person. But like Amy said, it is just as if we are just brains on a stick. As if God somehow created us as souls and we just got stuck with these bodies by accident. And we've mimicked in our own ways. We've mimicked creeds, we've mimicked confessions, we've mimicked heroes. That if people came up and said, well, tell me where the Word of God says that. And you're like, well, I'm not sure where the Word of God says that, but that's what I was taught. We're just as concerned about physical expression. It's just the other way. Whereas some judge others on their physical expression, we judge others by their lack of physical expression. Well, they must be theologically naive if they're so emotionally or physically expressive. We act as if we're more concerned with God's holiness than God is through His Word. But also there's discomfort physically. The physical's just messy. If you're like me, sometimes I can be very uncomfortable with my body. I don't like it a lot of the time. I don't like the way you gain weight so quickly. I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the way it looks. Very self-conscious. 
And yet our life is all wrapped up in the physical. We eat, we exercise, we yell, we point, we make facial expressions, we talk, we do it all the time. And in the South, we see that there's really no division here even with extrovert and introvert when it comes to one thing, and that's sports. But also politics, and also your family. There are some people, and some people in my family who I know, who are very introverted. And so when it comes to sporting events, you know they do not want to go out and watch them in public. They don't want to go to a party. They want to do it at home, and they want to do it alone. And you know why? It's because they know they're going to yell. It's because they know they're going to come up out of their seat. It's because they know they're going to point. It's because they know they're going to stand up and start clapping. It's because they know that, that they don't know what they're going to do. But there is no way they will be able to restrain themselves physically because this is such a real event. Again, this could not just be sports. It could be politics. It could be music. It could be just a family member that gets on your nerves or a family member that you love. But you are a physical being and when your heart is connected to something, you respond physically. Certain times maybe we've been stuck with these people who we thought were introverts in the middle of a situation like that, and all of a sudden we're like, wow, what's got into him? What's got into her? And you know what their response is at their heart when they look back at us is, what's wrong with you? Don't you get how meaningful this is? How could you not respond when a guy fumbles on the one-yard line? When they have another penalty? When they hit the chorus to that song? How could you stay in your seat? When that politician says that ignorant thing? when that family member mouths off to that person. We cannot escape the physical dimension of who we are, and God is not calling us to. He is calling us to submit that to the reign of Jesus and then let that be guided by the Spirit. We know that physical does, the physical side doesn't ensure that it's coming from the heart. We know physical expressions can be self-deceiving. We know physical expressions can be self-glorifying and self-gratifying. But God's Word is calling us to learn what this looks like in each of our lives. And this morning, I am not talking about public worship. We're talking about private. We're just, let's just, we don't want to start there. When you're alone, like when you're alone watching that TV show, game, sporting event, concert, talking that issue, Focus is on this side of things. Because my conviction is, is that what is not done in private is very likely to be insincere if done in public. If you're only responding to God in physical expression in public, something's off. Because we're talking about a real relationship with Jesus in the stuff of life. And nothing gets more real in the stuff of life than our whole selves. God is inviting us 
into this. And we see this in Psalm 149. For the sake of time, I'm going to give you machine gun fashion style here of some the biblical opportunities for us to engage with God with the whole self that we are. What are those? The Bible talks about something called Sabbath. Again, we could books written on this. But as followers of Jesus, we understand that Sabbath has been fulfilled in Christ. He is the rest of God. He is the rest of God. We don't have to, to set aside a law that now we obey that brings us into his rest. No, it's through faith alone in Christ. That's where our rest is. And yet, the heart of that law that stands for eternity, the author of Hebrews says, calls us to enjoy that rest, to experience that rest, and to give ourselves time in our life to do so. The heart of the Sabbath was people who stopped and were still and said, God, you're in control. So if I take time to not do something, the world's not going to fall apart. You're sovereign, not me. Some of you are so busy, right? That's the biggest thing with spiritual disciplines is you're like, I don't have any time to do that. Well, we can do the phone check if y'all want to later, right? Go to battery if you don't know how to do this. Battery, found this. Not, not a guild-inducing thing. Click on your battery, and go down, and you match it, and it'll tell you how you used your phone down to the minute in the last 24 hours. All that, what that reveals is we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to stop. We are stopping. We're all stopping. We're just going to other things. What Sabbath is saying, stop all those things and come to me. Come to me. We need silence. We need solitude. We need stillness. And for those of you that that makes you want to go smoke a cigarette right now because it's so troubling, you probably need it the most. Right? Just stop. To be still. That might be your physical act that you need to work on. Because I'm going to be still. Before the Lord. There's fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is abstaining from food or some other thing so that you create within your body this physical longing that reminds you that ultimately the deepest longings of your heart can only be found in God. If you've never tried fasting, it's not easy. If you like to eat like me, it's especially not easy. Easy to fast for breakfast sometimes. It will stir up within you something like nothing else can. And call you to Christ. We'll call you to ask Him, God, give me a same longing to know you like I long for that chicken sandwich. Give me a same longing to see people come to know you in our city. Give you that same longing to love my wife, my children, my roommates, my friends, my family. We sing. So again, these are options. It's like, what, what does this look like? What can I do? I can be still. Fast. We sing Psalm 47 6, but also here. Let them sing for joy on their beds. 
You, so you take time and word and prayer, but you might say, on certain days, I'm going to sing to the Lord. I'm going to sing out loud. Maybe I've got to go outside to do that. Maybe I'm just in my car. I'm like, before I just put on my normal playlist, I'm going to put these songs that direct my heart to the Lord. And I'm going to be that person driving down the road. You ever looked over and saw somebody just having a good time singing? You might become that person. But you love the Lord and you want to love Him more. We speak out loud. Psalm 34, 1 says, His praise will always be on my lips. Could read many more there. We say out loud, Thank you, Lord. Again, we're just talking personal. We speak aloud. We praise Him with our lips. We shout. Psalm 27, 6, I sacrifice with shouts of joy. If you're thinking, I, I can't imagine while I'm reading my Bible and praying, shouting. Why? We've already laid out here. We all got certain relationships. They're shouting, right? The shouting happens in the most real relationships, doesn't it? Sometimes it shouts of joy. Sometimes it shouts of suffering. The Psalms, how long, O Lord? Am I going to have to go through this? The Lord is inviting you to not just pray in your mind, but to, to speak aloud. We bow. Psalm 95, 6, come and let us bow down. And worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. We bow. We kneel. We stand. Psalm 119, 120. My flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in awe. We stand. You're reading your God's word. And you're, you're, you're going, you know, you're asking the questions. We talk about who is God? What has He done? And you just you stand in your feet. We prostrate. It means we just lie down on our face. All the earth bows down to you, Psalm 66. Although I wasn't taught these things through my relationship with God, there's been certain seasons of my life I would feel totally uncomfortable doing that in front of you guys, but I was just so broken. Couldn't, couldn't hardly stand. Couldn't hardly sit. And just get on your face before the Lord and say, Oh God, I need you. It's not weird if you do that. The Lord is inviting you to. The one that does make us feel weird here, though. Some of us, maybe not all of us. We dance. Right? Psalm 149.3. Let them praise his name with dancing. Now, I'm not a dancer. That'd be very contrary to my personality. But if you've been in my house on certain occasions, right? You get excited about certain things, right? So we're not saying that you got to get out here and do Michael Jackson. We are in a dance studio. I didn't think about that. But at your home, right? We're, we're, we're not even going there. We're just keeping this at home alone right now. There's been certain things you've got excited about, right? And whether you call it a dance or not, you're like, yeah, right? Again, winning touchdowns. We lift our eyes up. Psalm 123, 1 and 2. I lift my eyes up to you whose throne is in heaven. We look up to God as a sign of that He is our Father in heaven, sovereign on the throne, over all things ruling. We kneel. 
Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. We lift our hands or outstretch arms. could read so many verses for this, but Psalm 63.4, In your name I will lift up my hands. 1 Timothy 2.8, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. It's, it's a sign of agreement. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of allegiance. Raise your right hand. I swear and tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Right? I'm in agreement. These aren't just emotional responses. These are, these are biblical invitations to ways that we can respond to God with our body. We clap, Psalm 47.1. Clap your hands, all you nations. We play instruments, Psalm 33. And here as well, praise the Lord with the heart. Make music to Him. We cry, Psalm 6.6. I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. And not in the Bible, but in history. You realize one that's not in the Bible that we all do is closing your eyes. Nowhere in the Bible does it say close your eyes. Right, but there's one we do. You can keep doing it. But there's one that we do that's not even in the Bible. You can take a walk. You can go for a ride on your bike. You can chop wood. You can do art. You can write a song. But you give your whole body in response to the work of God, the worth of God, in relationship with God. There's a story of a man who, uh, who practiced this. And he talked about one time he was, going, he was traveling and he was spending the night with some friends and he was staying down in their basement. And about five, six in the morning, they begin to hear all of this noise. And they think something's wrong. And so they run downstairs and they're like, Terry, what's going on? What's wrong with you? And he's like, nothing. I'm just having my time alone with the Lord. He's like, some people have a quiet time. I have a loud time. No, we need both quiet times, but also, if we're going to be true to Scripture, there's going to be loud times. There's going to be praising. There's going to be weeping. And we need to get it out. God invites us to get it out, to come to Him with our whole selves because we believe He is real. It gets real when it gets physical. Am I betraying the Bible? No. Or maybe you are sometimes. But let God's Word direct you. Am I being myself? Well, just be yourself. We're not going to command you to do any of these things, but be yourself. Be honest with yourself. Am I being myself? Is this how I respond to the things I care the most about and in the relationships I live most closely with? Yes, be yourself, but really be yourself. Am I being showy or distracted? How can you be when you're by yourself? That's what we're just focusing right now. Am I required to do these things? Well, not all of them, because we can't all play an instrument. If you're in a coffee shop, it might not be the best place to shout. But there's many options. For some of you, I know you need to hear this. Maybe not all of you. Am I betraying the best of my theological heritage? Well, first of all, we need to say, am I following Jesus? But, to help some of you, responding to the empty external acts of religion in his day, John Calvin said this in his commentary on Acts, the inward attitude so certainly holds first place in prayer. The outward signs 
kneeling, uncovering the head, lifting up the hands, have a twofold use. The first is that we may employ all our members for the glory and worship of God. Secondly, that we are, so to speak, jolted out of our laziness by this help. So what does Calvin say? We want to devote all our members to the glory of worship of God, and it jolts us out of our laziness. This might be what some of us need to just get a spark into our time alone with God, because we're going to move a little bit, right? I'm going to stand up, I'm going to lift my hand, I'm going to clap, I'm going to kneel, I'm going to lay on my face. Whatever suits your personality, there's not one right way to do this. But what he's saying is true. It jolts us. And then he says even of this publicly. He says that in public prayer we inflame each other with our reverence to God. Jonathan Edwards, known for his deep knowledge of the word and theology, says that much of his personal life of worship of God was not just in the study, but that he would go and chop wood to commune with God. He would take ride, horse rides and write down on his way the things that the Spirit brought to his mind. The Word of God, even these great heroes of our faith, engaged in a life-giving, real, holistic relationship with God. But maybe we just have trouble with our bodies. So we, just, we need to really know how the gospel speaks to our body. I'm just going to think about that in a minute here as, as, we, as we wrap this thing up. First thing is the Bible teaches that God created you with a body and called you good. He created us in his image and he is spirit, but he created us to image him physically. Before sin ever entered the world, humanity had bodies. Physical bodies, and we were to worship Him with a whole of who we are. If our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him to ever, we were to do that as embodied people. And yet the fall entered the world. And we were tainted in every way, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, socially, and yet still called to worship God with all that we are. To offer sacrifices to devote our lives to a work and a worship. And we were given a promise in all of that that our redemption, our salvation, our deliverance was coming. But how would it come? Not through a God as spirit into the world, but through a son who would be born human, embodied. Because God was in the business not just of taking a bunch of souls up to live on clouds, but to have an earth inhabited with a physical people who live and worship Him to the praise of His name. So Israel was called to live this life that displayed the glory of God amongst the nations in very physical ways. There's no way you can read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all of the Old Testament and not see, wow, this was a very physically engaged thing. God didn't say, just go think about this stuff rightly. He gave them very, very physical actions to do and very vivid physical images to see, to know Him and to honor Him and to worship Him. 
and the Psalms. He gives them all these things we've read and how they are to come to him with the whole of who they are as a representation of living their whole lives for his whole glory. And as redemption was prophesied in the prophets, we see this image of a new earth. That God's plan wasn't just to one day just get rid of all this physical stuff, but to redeem it, to restore it, to renew it, and to be brought glory through it as He planned it. And so as the eternal Son of God comes to earth, He is born in the flesh. Jesus had fingernails. Jesus had eyebrows. Jesus walked, the great theologian Kanye West says. Jesus, Jesus used the bathroom. Ever how humanly you want to get it, you can go there in your mind right now without me having to go there. And this was the plan of God. And he physically engaged with the Father. John 17, 1, it says, He lifted His eyes to heaven. He spoke aloud. He shouted from the cross. He rested. He fasted, Matthew 4. He sang before they went to the Mount of Olives. He spoke of people standing when they prayed. And when He went to the cross, He went there physically. And that matters. He didn't just go to save our souls because we're not just souls. He went to save us wholly and fully and truly. He felt every nail. He felt the crown of thorns on His head, but He also took on all of the hell that we deserve. The hell the Bible teaches, eternal, conscious, physical torment where the worm dies not. We're all going to experience a physical reality forever, but Jesus took on all of that physical judgment we deserve, spiritual judgment we deserve, in our place. And He couldn't do that if He wasn't fully human. And then He rose from the grave. But He didn't rise from the grave as a ghost. He said, Thomas, come feel my hands if you think I'm a ghost. He said, Peter, cook me some fish. This man who is dead eating fish. It's the first fruits of a new creation. He walked on the road to Emmaus. And he ascended for them to see. And the Bible says one day he will return and he is going to return physically. He's going to return, 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, with a shout. If you don't like shouting, then Jesus is returning with a shout. And we'll see Him and we'll become like Him and we'll be given new bodies and we'll live on a new earth and we'll worship Him. We'll worship Him as they do in Revelation Revelation 7, it says, I saw a great multitude no one could number from every tribe, every nation, people, and language, and they were standing before the Lamb. And they spread palm branches in their hands. 
They cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. And we pray on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. So that's why we are invited by God to worship Him with all that we are. This isn't a call for you to just be uncomfortable, for you to call to get awkward. This is a call for you to experience the worship of God that will bring you joy as you really know it. Some of you saw the end of that Vikings game. Minnesota Vikings. For those of you who aren't in sports, I know we're not supposed to tell a lot of sports illustrations, but here we go. It was amazing, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. So the Saints are losing. Drew Brees takes them down the field, and it looks like he's did it again like he always does, and he's won it the last minute. And then this miracle happens. Minnesota gets the ball, throws this pass. It's not even a Hail Mary. It's just a pass to the sideline. And the defensive back for the Saints, I don't know what he's doing, if you know what I'm talking about. He, like, dives to make the tackle, but, like, misses the receiver by, like, four feet. And this guy runs in. There's no time left on the clock. And if you watch, watch the, the video of this, the, the stands that were totally silenced all of a sudden just go to the floor. And this guy scores a touchdown. He takes his helmet off and slings it because he's so excited. They tackle him. They run him under the stands. And the referees are all throwing these flags, right? Uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, excessive celebration. But who cares, right? The game is over. They won. This is amazing. How could they not respond physically? How could they not just glory in this moment? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how. Jesus has won. It looked like the devil had him beat with no time on the clock. And he rose from the dead. And the same spirit that lives in him now lives in us. It's not a matter of if we worship him with all of our hearts. It's how. And he's given us our, his word to guide us in that. And his spirit to lead us. And if we are, if we are to make our habits of grace, our spiritual disciplines, really repetitions of love, then we've got to begin to consider what does it look like to get my whole